0: a team, as you know, and we've been here since Thursday uh, afternoon. What I'd love to do is just get the team up, uh, just bring them round here and embarrass them a little bit. I want them to talk to you a little bit about the weird things we've done to your church. Okay, So we, we've done, we put this thing here. What's that? That'd be good to know, wouldn't it? Uh, there's some art going on over here. What's that about? Would you like to know a bit more about that? Yeah. yeah. It would just help everybody, I think, um, and then I'll, I'll take it on. Uh, from there, you're allowed to smile at me, it's okay. <laughs> if, if you don't smile at me, I think, okay, what did I say wrong? Okay, um, so let's have the team up. Come on, guys.
1: <laughs> so,
0: we're, we're a team from the School of Supernatural Ministry in North Kent Community Church. Uh, it was um, five years ago, I think it all started. Uh, we 've got some year ones and some year twos with us, uh, and i 'm a year three i, I wouldn 't go so that 's create a job for me so uh, i 'm a year three um, and what I do in the school is I, I help in the school by doing some coaching, uh, leading teams like this. Um, I also um, intern with Pete Carter. Dr. Pete Carter is the leader um, of the church and he also have, has an apostolic role and I uh, run around with him and I'll tell you a bit more about that. You're very photogenic, you guys, Oh,
1: look at us.
0: So, yeah, 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 they They do a bit of falling around. Um, by the way, don't be too worried about that because you're, it's not a requirement.
2: That's helpful to know, isn't it? It's not a requirement to fall over
0: to, to get God in your heart and in your life. And I'll tell you more about that because I want you to be able to host the presence of God in your lives, and I'm going to tell you more about that. Ah-ha, as we go on. Mark, I want you to... Oh, Mark's gone. Are you all right, Mark? Can you talk? Oh, what I want Mark to do, Mark has a particular story uh, about his son, and, and it, it really moves me, and it will move you, and it will demonstrate to you that God is on the move. He, he can do amazing things that so many people say "Oh, that's impossible. Well, we know that we serve and love the God of the... Impossible, right? And then here we go. Come on. Thank you, Madam. Um So my little boy is called Josh,
2: and um, at the age of five, when he was in his reception class at school, we had something confirmed that we feared the worst, which was that he was autistic. So we had a whole raft of experts come and see him, meet with us write all kinds of documents. They all met together. We got called in and they basically put a piece of paper in front of us which was a letter saying, your son is autistic. Get used to it. This is the rest of your life. Which is quite unhelpful, really. Um, fortunately, God is always ahead of the curve. Do you know that? Yeah, Because that's one of the great things of living outside of time. God's never taken by surprise. And a little while before this, he said to us, there's a time coming where it's time for you to start colouring outside of the lines. Now, that is one of those words, and we didn't have a clue what that meant. And then when Josh started his first year at infant school, um, he just couldn't cope at all. He went from free play, doing pretty much what he wanted, to sit at this desk, sit still at this desk, sit still at this desk for a long time, concentrate, and cope with all the chaos and noise and sensory stimulation that goes on in a year one classroom. And we just thought, this is killing him. He'd take his clothes off just as we were about to leave the house so we can take him to school or he would hide in the boots of the car, just I uh, mean just incredible things. So we just felt we've got no options. The school had tried to get an educational statement for him so he could be supported, but Ken had no money, so he didn't and we just thought this is a no win situation. And God said colour outside of the lights. And so we said, Right, we're pulling him out. The headmistress head said we were crazy, his school teachers said we were crazy. All our friends who were in teaching said you're crazy. And we went, God said, come outside of the line. So we started working with him at home and we connected him with an American program called Sunrise, which I thought was an interesting title. And these people aren't Christian, but their whole ethos for working with autistic kids is kingdom-based. A child's best resource is its parents'. You don't try and drag a child out of his autistic world. You enter its autistic world. And that's precisely what Jesus did with us. He doesn't stand in heaven and say, stop it! come out of there. No, he he put on skin and he came down and he entered our world and said, take my hand and let me lead you out. And and in partnership with that, we... Oh, that was a moment, wasn't it? Uh, Wow. So... In amongst all this, we, we start bringing him along to the healing rooms at, at NKCC, which was quite complicated because it's a really kind of ooh-la-la, here type atmosphere, you know, very quiet and meditative music and stuff like this going on. And, and Josh is like, <clears throat> around the room and over the top of the sofa. and So the prayer team position themselves on the sofa and every time he came up and over, they were like, rich, rich, this. <laughs> Somebody bought a word and just said, God says he will be healed, but it's going to be a process, not an event, because the process is as important as the end goal. Well, at that point in life, we'd been told, never leave the house with him. <coughs> never leave the house. And we found that denied him of all the experiences that any kid should have but it wrecked our world because it pretty much meant we were pinned to the floor. And he wasn't aware of his own toilet needs, wasn't aware if he was hungry or thirsty or if he was too hot or too cold. He just had no self-awareness at all. And soon after that first visit to the healing age, we just started a shift. And I'm not going to go into all the detail, but I just want to say this. Three weeks ago, we bought Josh his first school uniform. He's back in mainstream education. He's doing an hour a day at the moment, just because he's been out for so long. But there's a parallel story with that, which is, um, you know that autistic people quite often have repetitive things that they really get into, or they have a favourite hobby that they just want to talk about all the time. Well, we're the kind of household, we don't do kids' praise albums, we just have the full-blown grown-up stuff. And we really love the stuff that's has gone out of Bethel, people like Jesus Culture, and so we have the DVDs and he watches this all the time. And we noticed he started copying. If you're watching a DVD and when the worship leader's doing this, Josh would do that. And it was mostly form. And then one day, after about eighteen months where he hadn't been in church, he said to Anne, my wife, I want to go to church today. And he came to church. So he just sat out in the foyer, watching through the glass. And there was this moment in the worship when God just showed up. Mm. Boom. The doors opened. Josh walked into the back of the hall and just goes, come Holy Spirit. <laughs> <laughs> and he starts telling us that Holy Spirit is like fire on the head, but it doesn't burn you. And uh, the Holy Spirit makes you better and it makes you happy. And I'm like, ah, uh, now we teach our... Kids, the Bible. But I'm like, uh, that's advanced theology. Uh, where did you get that from? He said, Oh, Jesus told me. <laughs> <laughs> so I just want to say to you don't listen to people who say impossible, can't won't, never, ever. Yeah. Because Jesus just laughs at that kind of stuff. Yeah. And I want to say, if you've got anyone you know in a similar situation, grab hold of this testimony because it's not my testimony. It's our
0: testimony. Yeah. And we believe this. See, the power of the testimony, that's the spirit of prophecy, right? Yeah. Our testimonies become your testimonies. Your brothers and sisters, we're in that big, big family that is God's family. See, that's his governmental rule. We are all his... <coughs> children. He doesn't have any grandchildren. We're all his kids. And so when I tell you a testimony, or you hear Mark's testimony, it becomes your testimony. You don't have to lie. You can say, as a friend of mine in our family, who does this? This has happened to him. That has happened to him. Do you get that? It's very important. We'll go on to that in a minute. Can we have a little bit of talk about the art? Who wants to do that. I haven't prepped any of these guys. There you go. This is Diana. we yeah. will try and stay standing for a while. Oh, I will um,
3: Well, it's been my privilege that God has called me to paint and um, I've got a whole booklet of my testimony because it was the last thing I ever thought I would ever do. So, um, although I went to art college um, I never saw myself as being a painter I was one of those people who said oh I can't, <laughs> can't I can't do that um, but um, so so God really really clearly called me to do it so then I was like okay so if I'm going to do this what am I going to do and then he gave me this kind of thing with the, with the words so these paintings with words on they're the ones that I did and um, it's it's not some kind of magical mystery thing. It's just, you know, uh, God will speak to me when I'm worshipping God. God spoke to me once when I was staring at a brick wall outside KFC waiting for my husband to bring the lunch. So um, it's just suddenly something will kind of click in my spirit and I'll go, ooh, yeah. <laughs> not like that, but something like that. <laughs> and... Um, yeah, and and I'll just start to get this idea of something that I feel like God wants to say, um, and then I kind of, um, I kind of do this thing with the Holy Spirit where I go, okay, so how would that look, and how would I do that, and, and you know, and it, it just comes out. So, um, I just pray that God speaks to you, um, and he wants to kind of lift us up, and, um yeah, and I just want to encourage you all because um, I'm the shy one who can never do anything. Whoa. And that's a lie. Oh, yeah. Stop, stop, stop. stop. Yeah. Um, well, there's so many things I actually don't know
4: what to talk about, but I will talk about my art because it's something that I used to do when I was younger. And um, I painted a picture for somebody in my early 20s and they tossed it aside and it completely destroyed me and I didn't pick a paintbrush up for 30 years. And it was when <coughs> I went to a healing conference with somebody called Joaquin Evans, which I don't know if you've heard of. And there was a French lady painting and she'd done the most beautiful picture. And at lunchtime, I went over to her and just asked her about the picture. And she asked me if I painted, and I said, no, I haven't painted for 30 years. And um, she said, well, you must paint. And I said, no, I can't do that. (coughs) So she said, well, let's pray for you. And she did, I don't know if you've heard of Sozo. She did a mini Sozo, which is like a mini sort of healing session, prayer session with you and she said, right, here you are, here's your paintbrush and I painted and I I was absolutely amazed that, you know, that I enjoyed it so much and just kind of regretted that I hadn't done that for 30 years and what God does, he just releases so much in you all this baggage that you carry through the years he just releases that and you just suddenly find that you can do things that you'd never done before and I, I don't paint as much as I would like but I do try to paint when I come away and I, I sort of wait for people to talk to me about my painting and then if I feel it's right then I give it to them because it means something to them, which pleases my husband because we've got them stacked at hand. <laughs> You know, I just can't give them away. Um, but anyway, yeah, so you know, just be released from stuff that you've never done before or that you want to do because God wants to give that back to you.
1: That's good. Yeah? Thank you. Right, I I used to paint at school and that was a very long time ago now. <laughs>
4: And um, I just started, you know, going to like, art classes. This was before the prophetic stuff, but um, we were kind of released to use it as just a way of of connecting with God. And you might be creative in, in lots of different ways. Um, doesn't have to be painting, but if you like creating, um, because He's the Creator, um, that's a bit of His image in you. So go, you know, go have a go. But yeah, but for me it's, it's trying not to think about the performance and the end result but just in enjoying connecting with God while you're doing it and mm-hmm. hopefully if it means something great and if you end up painting over it later that's okay too. Right. <laughs> um, yeah. Thanks yeah. Elaine. Yeah. Anybody
0: else? We'll get on. Should we? How long have I got left? I can't remember. Can I just talk about art? Yeah, do. What time have we got to finish? About quarter past twelve, okay. You've got thirty seconds. (laughs) 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 That's gonna be that's too long. Sorry. Arts.
2: I mean I was not artistic guys here and it's you know overwhelming Mm -hmm. really. I mean on the holiday months with my wife this year. And it's one of those places where you do arts and crafts. And my wife wife says, I must go and do watercraft. Why don't you come? And I thought, no. But you know it is, you think, well, I'd like to please my wife, so I will go along, and now the professional there guy he's had this thing, we to paint, and um, my wife, look at my wife, that's fantastic, And I looked at mine, my... hmm. and at the end of it, the chap came and looked at my wife, and he said, that's really good, yeah, that's really good, he looked at mine, he said, that's really good as well, for a four-year-old. <laughs> <laughs>
0: So um, I want to just talk to you a little bit about uh, hosting the glory. See, the thing about glory is um, you need it, don't you? You need to know that you are who you are, right? So we're going we're to try and talk a little bit about that in the little time I've got left. So a bit of my journey, I, I spend quite a lot of time with Pete Carter now. Uh, so uh, after Christmas we were at Global Legacy uh, National Meeting in Leicester, uh, the weekend after we were in Wolverhampton. Uh, the weekend after that we were in Milton Keynes. Last weekend we were in Toulouse, in south of France, chucking it down the rain. Great fun that was. Uh, and this week we're here. So that's the kind of sense of which things are happening and the speed at which they're happening. Pete is leading a team in Rennes in uh, Normandy and uh, there's another team in Ales in the south of France in the Cevennes Mountains we've got uh, a team in Paddockwood just over the back of us here we've got a team in Wickford uh, in Essex anybody ever heard of Wickford in Essex? Yeah. oh some people have, that's good that's near where I live, I live out <coughs> in Essex and there's another one that's now just dropped off my radar Orpington, right so there's one in uh, C of E Church in Alpington See, things are happening across the piece. And that's what I want to say to you. Because you can sit in your church and you don't see the bigger picture. The bigger picture is God is on the move. Something started to happen September 1st, 2011 where the glory of God has returned to his people. It's exciting stuff. So I want to teach you to host the presence of God. Are you up for that? Anybody not up for that? Uh, There's the door. Okay, because that's what we're going to do. So if you're born again, there's something amazing happening inside of you, right?
2: Yes, Yes. Yes.
0: Yes. See, that's a bit basic, okay? I'm not going to ask any trick questions, but I do need you to respond, okay? So something amazing is happening inside of you today. Right. Yes. What is it?
2: Jesus.
0: Jesus. Jesus. Glory to glory. Glory to glory. Anybody else? I'm a new creation. You're a new creation. Fire. Fire. What's happening inside of you today, yep. right now? I'm going to glory to glory. The Holy Spirit lives inside of us that's what he chose to do he chose to do that it's not our choice it's his choice that's what he wants to do ok it's very interesting in the beginning God created the earth are we alright with that so far? Yeah, yeah. ok Adam and Eve when did they become living creatures? not trick questions? when he breathed God breathed God breathed on them we often uh, uh, liken that to the Holy Spirit right? he breathed on them He breathed life into them. That's the pattern for them. That's who they were. They became God's children by his breath. They walk with him in the garden, in the evening. Do you love that? It's worth reading over and over and over again. Because that's what he has restored to us. We can walk with him in the garden. See, they had unrestricted time with God. (coughs) Then they hid from him. Why did they hide from him? So naked. What did they do? They ate the fruit. They did. And they took something that they've been told not to take, right? I'm not going to go into that, but that stopped them having an unrestricted time with God, right? Mm-hmm. And what did God say to them? He says, where are you? Now, I put it to you guys, that is not a geographical question. God knew where they were. What he was saying is, where are you? in that connected sense. And I want you to ask yourself that this morning. Where are you? Are you connected? Oh, he is. (laughs) (laughs) If that's from God, I want to answer. (laughs) (laughs) So are you connected, okay? So here's here's then what he did. He then put uh, two big angels... Near the tree of what? Life. Did he do that to punish? No. See, he wanted to protect his people from becoming eternally disconnected from him. So he put a hedge of angels. And then uh, they left the garden, as you know. So that fallen condition could have meant eternal separation from God. There's some good news coming. Because he loves us. The next time we see the presence of God is when he comes in the tabernacle. So the presence of God is in the tabernacle. So Moses meets with God up on the mountain. Know this bit of the story? Mm -hmm. In the glory there's fire and mystery and his face is glowing. And he says cheeky stuff to God like, I want to see your face. (coughs) He becomes really friendly with God. God loves that. He loves that when you get friendly with him. And you say, hey, I wonder, could I, what what if we did this? That's what Moses did. He was cheeky. And God spoke to him. And he became familiar with God. After the tabernacle had been built, it was consecrated. And I want you to turn to Exodus 40, um, and it's 34 to 38. It's the end of Exodus Do we squirt it on the screen? Is that something you do or not? Mm -hmm. Not Okay. Okay, that's fine. So it says this, then the glory, sorry, then the clouds, we'll get to that in a minute, covered the tent of meeting and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. Can you imagine what that looks like? Can you? Remember what Moses has seen and done. Even seeing God whilst hidden in the cleft of the rock. This bit's amazing. Moses, who was used to meeting with God, could not enter the tent of meeting. Why? Because the glory of God was in that (coughs) place. It says in 35, Moses could not enter the tent of meeting because the clouds had settled on it and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. See, the tabernacle wasn't for his exclusive use. Anybody could go in. He used it a lot, as you probably know, if you read your Bibles. He couldn't enter into it. In Azusa Street, a number of years ago now, in America, in Los Los Angeles, is an amazing story of the glory of God coming down on a building. They used to get phone calls from neighbours to the fire department, and they'd come and try and put a fire out. But it was a holy fire. You could just see this amazing stuff going on over the top of the building. Children would run around in the glory. It's amazing. It's amazing. Go and read about it. We haven't got time to go into it in depth. But have a look. And then in 36 it says this, In all the travels of the Israelites, whenever the cloud lifted from above the tabernacle, they set out. But if the cloud did not lift they did not set out until the day it lifted. Mm. So So the cloud of the Lord was over the tabernacle by day uh, and fire was in the cloud by night in the sight of all the Israelites during all their travels. Every day there was a cloud and every night there was a cloud with fire in it. Ha (laughs) ha. Now, here's the thing, see, here's the important thing for me. That told the Israelites, I am with you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They were secure in that. Why would you want to go anywhere where God is? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Here's the interesting thing. What did it tell their enemies? Because if the Israelites could see this column of fire mm-hmm. and the column of cloud, what could their enemies see? Was it invisible to their enemies? No. And the enemies were very, very fearful of God's presence with them. And that's the point I want to try and make to you. See, it's a good lesson for us. Don't do stuff in your own strength. Call upon God. Join in with his stuff rather than asking him to join with you. See, the thing is, he will join with you. But if you're doing it in your own strength... You're in some bother. <coughs> you okay with me so far? Yeah. Good. Okay, we're going to move on to David and Solomon because that's what happens next. So the tabernacle is done away with, and we end up with Solomon who built a temple. How glorious was that temple? Read about it, and you'll see. So glorious that when the Queen of Sheba came to see it, she was completely overwhelmed. It was gold and silver and bronze, it was amazing. Read about how it was built. Huge columns built out in the desert in huge um, uh, moulds that they poured the hot metal in. Can you imagine what that was like? They'd have to set fire under metal to get it hot enough. It's just extraordinary. And then, the glory falls on that temple. And actually even the priests couldn't then go in. They had to go in under special conditions. In fact, they all wore jeans. Did you know that? The priests all wore jeans? Because they were Levites. Oh, sorry about that. I'll be gone in a minute. We'll be on. Okay, then the next temple's built. Read about that in Ezra, Cyrus, king of Persia. So here's a guy who doesn't even know God. He's a pagan king, one of the most powerful people in the world at the time. And he says to them, go and build a temple greater than the former, read about it in Haggai see this book this, this bible is amazing yeah. don't get caught up in the minutiae of oh, oh, oh no, 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 the glory the glory he is glorious and he wants you to be that way too so, here's the glory what's he transforming you from and to? he starts with glory John 17 says give them my glory and we've all somehow got this oh, I'm yucky I start from yucky and I get a bit better yeah. no, 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 no mm. you are glorious mm. now we struggle with this in year one and we say in the first term you need to get this so I'm going to ask you to get this real quick I want you to say to me, I am glorious. And we'll do it after three, because I'm a teacher, I can do this. Okay? So after three, you're going to say, I am glorious. Ready? After three, one, two, three. I am glorious. Oh. So you can say, I had somebody last night say that. Yeah, I can say that, but I don't really get it completely in my heart. And that's the journey I want you to go on. See, we're all on a journey from hope to assurance. I'm assured I know who I am why because God has taken me on a journey he said to me one day why don't you jump out of the driving seat and get in the back you'll have fun it'll be good and I said to God oh, I, I do the driving I like to drive why do I like to drive because I like to be in control." and I found out the hardest message I had to become his son rather than just see that as an instruction. Because it's a a moment of love. He puts me in the back of the car. We go for a drive and I go, where are we going? Where are we going? And he says, I'll tell you in a minute. (laughs) And that makes it exciting. And so then my life becomes exciting. What are we going to do next? What's going to happen in a moment? I don't know. But you see, I'm not driving the car. I'm just waiting for the next ice cream stop. <laughs> or whatever he brings. And that's what I'm trying to say to you. It's relationship, it's not religion. It's relationship, it's that connection to him. And then something interesting happens, as you know, Jesus comes along, right? Jesus comes along, and then the glory becomes personified. Yeah. In him. And people look at him and say, yeah. wow, even the angels I put to you came and said, I bring to you all good news. Not the church. I bring to you all good news. Here's a son born in a stable. And I bet you all the angels said, how can you get that amazing Jesus that they know because they've sat with him round the throne in heaven? how does he get to know Jesus into this little baby body how is that plan going to work Mm -hmm. but you see he's glory personified isn't he Mm -hmm. isn't it interesting it was the shepherds that first came to see him who were the shepherds shepherds who look after sheep any old sheep no Bethlehem five miles out of the city of um, Jerusalem they were bringing up temple sheep what were temple sheep brought for So that they could be sacrificed. For what? The atonement of sin. Sin. This is no fairy story. When Jesus came into the temple and you hear them crying Hosanna, they didn't know he was coming. They'd opened the sheep gate and the sheep were supposed to be coming up that hill for the time of atonement. And I put it to you that those Israelites were looking for the best sheep. That one, that one there, that one. And then Jesus comes in. Ahead of the sheep. And suddenly they realise, oh, all that he's been telling us is true. And so they start shouting,
1: Hoshana!
0: When are you ready to do that? See, he's come for each one of us. He died for each one of us. The thing is, you see, he didn't die for us. He died as us. We died. And then we became new. So critical. We're not fixed up. Wasn't it M.O.T.? I said that in France the other day and I wonder what I was talking about. <laughs> see it's not an MOT but it, it's a complete restoration it's, it's a start again it's not a deconstruction either so it doesn't deconstruct you it's not an onion deal here okay, it doesn't peel you up like an onion and you get better and better no 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 you are already completely restored mm. see if you've got the Holy Spirit inside you who is the Holy Spirit by the way? He's God. He's holy, completely God. We believe that, don't we? If you believe the Trinity. He's Jesus. He's God. He is completely God. Is Where is heaven? Where is heaven? Where God is. So you contain a piece of heaven inside of you. When you walk into a room, you're taking something of heaven with you. See, you're an ambassador for Him. Ambassadors are people that have a bit of their own land. So you walk, you're in trouble in, I don't know, Egypt, and you go to the British embassy. You show them your British passport. You enter in to a bit of England. And you're safe. See it in the movies, don't you? They run, usually Americans. Jump into the American embassy and they go, Ha! I'm in! You can't touch me! You must get this. Because if you go out on the street empty, all you do is give people a little bit of something. You're not going to give them the full, the full story. See, Jesus became the glory person- personified. It was the sound of heaven touching earth. It's an amazing moment, and it goes on. See, in the story of Lazarus, Jesus tells Martha, I am The resurrection. What else does he say? I am the resurrection and the the life. Mm. Do you want the life? (laughs) (laughs) Or do you just want a bit of life? Do you want the truth? Do you just want a little bit of the truth? See, Martha knew the theory. She said, oh, yeah, uh, we'll get that. When we die. And Jesus says, no, I am the resurrection and the life. We've got that now. Mm. We have that now. It's amazing. He is the way, the truth, and the life. And he lives inside of you. Come on. Oh, get excited. <laughs> you trying to turn it down? <laughs> Sorry. No, See? Oh, it's okay. So, look... It's important, this. When you go out on the streets, and we've had an amazing experience going out on the streets on Saturday, haven't we? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Oh, You've got a time bomb in here, I'm telling you. I'll tell you more about that in a minute. (laughs) Here's here's what happens. So you don't go up to somebody and say, uh, you're wearing a white jacket, so, you know, uh, I've got this clue and and you're God's treasure. You don't then say, uh, God just wants to give you a little bit of peace. What What do you need for today? Oh, yeah, okay. Have a little bit of peace. No, no, no. You're giving them the God of peace. The God of peace. See, a lot of Christians think like that. Oh, Jesus, please, will you just give me enough to get through the day? (laughs) But actually, you've already got all you need because you contain the God of peace. Do you see? There's such good news. Guys, this is such good news. Mm-hmm. Philippians 4 4. Rejoice in the Lord always. I'll say it again, says Paul, so it must be important. Rejoice. 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 Not because you're happy, but because you've got the seat of joy within you, no matter what your circumstances. In every circumstance in life, I am with you, says your heavenly Father. And it goes on to say this, let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, what a time of thanksgiving we had this morning. Mm-hmm. With thanksgiving, present your request to God. <laughs> And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, don't try and figure it out. He's never told you to figure it out. The peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. See, you're not supposed to be anxious about anything. All that anxiousness will do is just build you up with that sense of, oh, what am I going to do now? It doesn't bring you joy, it doesn't bring you peace. See, anxiety is a meditation around your troubles.
1: <laughs>
0: it is. We're all good at that. We can meditate around the bad stuff. How about you meditate around the good stuff? How about you do that tomorrow? How about you do that tonight. See, so if you want the God of peace to be with you, then have a peaceful night. Your day starts in the evening. Not in the morning. Not at breakfast time. That's when you start work. When you start your day, you're going to bed. You're going to rest. And i say to you, your spirit is alive and awake 24 hours. 7. Your body goes to sleep, and your God speaks to you. In the evening, when you're in rest. That's what dreams are about many, many times. You dream something, you wake up, amazing things have happened. So, a guy, a friend of ours, um, who worked for NASA a number of years ago now, and uh, they were really struggling, they were trying to build this uh, thing to take them out, you know, the, uh, the shuttle, space shuttle, <coughs> Excuse me. and the space shuttle needed a particular uh, element, you know, a piece that hadn't yet been <laughs> made. And they kind of knew what it's supposed to look like, they knew what it's supposed to do. Nobody could do it. They could try to design it, they tried to build it, it didn't work. And then one day this guy went to bed and he said to God, oh, Jeff, we just, we're just struggling with this, we just need to know what to do. He went to sleep, Woke up in the morning, oh, okay, drew a little drawing, took it into the place, they built the component, it worked.
1: Mm.
0: And every rocket ship since then has had such a component. The story doesn't end there. This guy, who's an Indian extraction kind of guy, that's where he comes from, he says, okay, I'm going to make this component, I'm going to put it into certain things, and he started to build them. Made a huge company out of it, made loads and loads of money. What did he do with <coughs> the money he went to Nepal, where there is slavery still. He bought people out of slavery, take them back to a township, find them a piece of work to do, give them a workshop, and get working. They became free. Mm-hmm. Wow. Came from a dream. <laughs> so what are you going to dream? What is your dream? I love talking to youth. I say to, you, to the youth, what are you dreaming about? Oh, I might have done working in Sainsbury's. <laughs>
1: Really? Really? Really?
0: All that you have. All that you have. See, it's the God of peace that's beyond our understanding. Don't try and understand it. So, here we go then. Let's just have a quick look at Acts. And I'll try and uh, land this thing. So, here we go. If you have a look at Acts, please. I just want to talk to you about wisdom. See, Holy Spirit and wisdom are the two things that you need. But you don't need your own wisdom. You know that, don't you? You need heavenly wisdom. And that's, again, something you can talk about to God when you go to bed. Just before you go to bed, talk to him about what you need. Okay? Not what you want. Not the Ferrari, okay? But what you need. Not... Oh God, I need this to get through tomorrow. No, no, what do you need? What does it look like when you live your life abundantly? What does that look like? Do you know what it looks like? So could you do that bit of thinking with me? What does it look like when I live my life abundantly in Christ? And then ask him about it. So in Acts 6, they're talking about this they realise the food isn't being distributed very well right? so they've got uh, in those days they've got a number of disciples massively increasing so you've got the Hellenistic, the Greek Jews amongst them and they're complaining because the Jew, Jewish folk were giving away their food to the widows which is what they're supposed to do but the Hebraic, uh, the um, Hellenistic Jews were being overlooked Deliberate? Probably not just stuff in not it Get lots of people coming in, that's what happens. So the twelve gathered all the disciples and they said it wouldn't be right for us to neglect the ministry of the word of God in order to wait on tables so they could see the need but they didn't feel it was for them. So what did they need to be full of? And it says this in three, brothers and sisters choose seven men from among you who are known to be full of the spirit and wisdom. Uh, hang on, let's read that again so they're going to wait on tables but they need to be full of the spirit and wisdom <laughs> get this this is important because what have you got to bring and so many of you say I haven't got very much to bring and God says I will use that if you're full of the spirit and wisdom mm. let's go on with this story it starts to get exciting See, they needed to be full of the spirit and wisdom because it needed to be their calling. Now, it's perfectly possible for all of us to wait on tables without spirit or wisdom. We know that, don't we? I'm not talking anything out there. You could wait on tables without the spirit or wisdom. We know that, don't we? Here's what I'm suggesting. Don't do it. Don't do it. Listen to God, get filled with the spirit and do what he's asking you to do. So let's look at Philip. If you go on, you'll see in Acts 8, Philip went down to a city in Samaria, proclaimed the Christ there. When the crowds heard Philip and saw the miraculous signs he did, they all paid close, close attention to what he'd said. With shrieks, evil spirits came out of many. Many paralytics and cripples were healed. So there was great joy in the city. Who's this guy, Philip? the gun selected to wait on tables (laughs) are you getting this Mm. one person makes a difference how can you make a difference to to Plumstead get filled with the spirit and wisdom and go and do what he's asking you to do we saw 40 plus people on Saturday Mm. 12 of us Mm. 40 people most of whom have no idea who Jesus is. They do now. They do now. (laughs) There's the guy standing on the beach and all the starfish have been washed up to the beach. Do you know that story? Okay, so there's this beach and all the starfish overnight have been uh, swept up. They're all drying in the sun. So there's this guy picking up the starfish and going, chum, "Chum," He's flinging them back into the surf. And lady walking the dog comes along. She said, what are you doing? He said, oh, you can see what I'm doing. I'm picking up a stuff and she's throwing it in the water. So she looks up and down the beach. She said, well, there are thousands of them. You'll never make a difference to all them. So he said, well, I made a difference to that one, didn't I? (laughs) And I made a difference to that one. See, you'll change plumstead one person at a time. One person at a time. That's the key and I'd go on to more kinds of wisdom but maybe if I talk to Jamie and Tim we'll just talk about that another day because I'm running out of time but you know what I want to do now? I want to pray for you please, please, please don't think oh, end of the meeting Alan's going to pray for us don't make it something formal like that I want you to be blessed okay? I want you to be completely blown away you ready? Are you ready for the God of the universe to fill you with his being, his love and his compassion? <laughs> are you ready for that? Yes. yes. Get ready. <laughs> Assume the position. <laughs> <laughs> Guys, can you uh, minister around and about? Where are you? Is there my team? Certainly that That's it, here they come. Oh. So you need the Holy Spirit to come upon you. and I can't make you do that so what you need to do is this you need to say Holy Spirit help come upon me be with me help me to be who you want me to be the little bit I've got I give to you turn it into something make it Glorious As you are glorious. Mm. Holy Spirit, come, fill me afresh. Bring me all I need. Don't be disabled by disappointment. Deal with it now. When you get home, look at Romans 5. Read it carefully. Hope that does not disappoint. Mm. So will you be courageous enough to dream again? Yes. Go for it. Dream again. I take authority over disappointment. I take authority over discouragement in this church. I say to you, you are set apart for a reason. You are set apart for a reason. You are not here by accident. I'm not here by accident. I'm here because God has sent me to talk to you guys. About what? About him. Because he's the only one that can make a difference. Boy, can you make a difference if you do as you have been asked to do, which is to be filled with the Spirit and heavenly wisdom. Will you do it? Will you overcome disappointment? Will you? Tell God, don't tell me. Mm. Tell God, I want to overcome disappointment. So much stuff gets in the way. Do you want the hopeless case of an autistic son where they say, you're forever gonna have an autistic son? No. Mm. We serve the God of the impossible. He will take you into impossible situations and he will make it possible. He's a God of the possible, out of the impossible thing. Father, we thank you and we love you. We want to see creativity re-expressed in this place. All that we have, we bring to you and we say, use us, Lord, here I am, Lord, send me. Here I am, Lord, send me. Amen. <coughs>